another. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, stand with me one more time. You look too comfortable sitting there. Praise God. Hallelujah. And grab your Bible or your instrument of Scripture. Hallelujah. That might be an iPad or an iPhone. You know, people just get Bible apps and everything else. I, I still use the Bible, and I have an I, iPad that I have sermons on, but I, I, I'd rather do it out of the old-fashioned way, praise God. And I've got Bibles that, that I've used since 1977. Actually, I've got one that goes all the way back to about 1975 that I first used and, and ministered with and stuff. And... Uh, uh, I'm going to give those to my grandchildren someday, praise God, as just a, a, an inheritance from Papa. Hallelujah. And I thought, you know what? That sounds a whole lot better than me giving each one of them my old iPad. Hallelujah. So <laughs> I think they'll like it better if they get my old Bible. Praise God. Amen. But anyway, hold it up and say this after me. Lord Jesus, I confess you are my Lord. You are the living word. And you've given unto me the written word that I might know you. I place demand upon the anointing of God to impart unto me the word of God that will set me free. I receive your word as truth into my life. I believe that the truth of your word will move into my life and set me free. I receive the anointing coming upon me now, destroying every yoke, rolling every burden away, and I set myself to be a doer of the word, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can be seated, praise God. I want you to turn to James, and we're going to look in the first chapter, and you know, this, this whole book of James, the five chapters that James writes James is writing about faith. This whole book is about faith, if you want to really get right down to it. A lot of people think it's a little legalistic, and some people think it's a lot of works. But you know what James is doing in this book? James is showing us that faith is more than a concept. Faith is more than, than mental knowledge. Faith is even more than a confession. Faith is an action. Faith is acting on what God says. Faith is putting to work in your life what God said you can have. Faith is bringing you into a place of partnership with God where God does His part, you do your part, and it brings forth the blessing of the Lord in your life. Amen? Now, in this first chapter, when James is, is bringing this out, you know, we, we, we begin to look, and, and, he, and he starts it off by saying, when you fall into various tests and trials, and hardships, count it all joy. In other words, have a good attitude. And, and, and he goes on to this, and then he says, in fact, if you need some wisdom when you find yourself in those things, ask God. Don't sit around and wonder what's going on. Ask God what's going on, and he'll show you and tell you what to do. And then he takes it from asking for wisdom to anything. He says, that, you know, if you ask anything, you've got to ask in faith. You can't ask it doubting and wavering and wandering. He says you have to. So he goes from, from, from right on in from tests and trials and getting wisdom on how to handle them right into faith. He goes right into talking to you. You have to do this by faith now. You have to believe God by faith. And, and, and then he gets into this. He realizes that you'll never have faith if you don't know if the test came from God or if it came from the devil. You understand? You can't have faith for something that you don't know where it came from. See, if I believe God put something on me, how can I believe God to get it off of me? See, if I believe God is testing me with this problem, how am I going to pray for God to get me out of the problem? See, you'll never ask God to do something for you if you think he's already doing the problem. So James begins to clarify and bring to us where God is in this situation and where the problem's coming from. Amen? And so James says this. He says, listen, when you find yourself in a test, don't stand up and say, this is God testing me. This is God putting this on me. This is God trying me. No, no, no. He says, don't say that. He said, because God does not tempt, test, or try anybody with anything evil. Amen. 
Now somebody would come along, what do you mean evil? Well, you go over in, in the Old Testament, Numbers 13, you'll find out that they came back with an evil or a bad report, and God called evil doubt, unbelief, anything that went against his word. Amen? So if we want to take a biblical definition of evil, we would say that James is saying anything that does not bring you to God, God didn't send it on you. Anything that doesn't line up with God's Word, God didn't put it on you. He says, but here's what happens. Tests come whenever you let the world begin to work through your flesh and emotions and feelings and circumstances, and you begin to get caught up into that. And then you let it begin to work in your life. And he says, once this desire, once this problem, once these things begin to take root in you and become full grown, they'll produce death in your life. And we know that God does not produce death. God produces life. Amen. So James then, and here's the verse I've been working to get to in verse 16. James then says this, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Don't, don't, don't be deceived and taken into error. Don't, have, don't, have, don't think wrong. Hallelujah. Don't be deceived in, in your attitude towards God. Don't, don't be off in getting in error. A lot of the church today is in error with God. See, they, they think, well, God said this, and God does this, and God does this, and it's okay with this, and it's okay. Well, you see, you'll get into error if you're operating in the flesh and operating in the natural and listening to what you want. Because, you see, your flesh will fight God. Remember what Paul said over in Romans? He said, he said that, that there's no good thing in your flesh. And he said, if you're carnally minded, in other words, if I'm ruled by the flesh, you know, we get our word carnivorous there when he talks about carnal, carnal mind. And so, so therefore, he's saying if you're, you're fleshly minded, ruled by your feelings, ruled by your senses, ruled by the things that are around you, he says you'll be at odds with God. You'll be an enemy of God. You're not walking with God. Amen. So, so James says don't get into error in your thinking. Don't let the devil deceive you in your attitude towards God. And then he tells you how you're supposed to think. Verse 17, every good gift, look at that. Come on, everybody say good gift. Amen. Sickness is not a good gift. A stack of bills you can't pay is not a good gift. Amen. Hurt feelings are not a good gift. Are you hearing me? No, every good gift, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Hallelujah. Ooh, I don't know about you, but that just sets me free. Every good thing and every perfect, mature, wonderful thing that can bless my life comes down from the Father of lights. And God, there's no variant in it. He, he's always the same. He never shifts. He never changes. He's never good one day and bad the next. He's never half in, half out. He's always God, always good. And if God is always good and always God, then everything coming from Him always is good and always comes from God to bless us. Amen? And every gift that comes from God is perfect. Meaning what? It is fully intact. It has everything it needs to set you free. What do you mean perfect? I said it like this. Everything God gives you has contained within itself everything you need to be victorious when it works in your life. There's no weakness in the Word. Come on. The, the, you know, God doesn't give you a Word and it can only produce half. Or it can only produce a little bit. No. God's Word is perfect. And God's move is perfect. And God's will is perfect. And God's anointing is perfect. And it will do a perfect work in you. Remember David said over in the Psalms, you, God will perfect that which is concerning me. Amen. So God wants to do a work in us. And so James is saying, I want you to get your faith in God, but you to have faith in God, you've got to understand God is a good God. And God does not put bad things on you. And God does not do things to hurt you. And you have to have that in your heart. And you say, well, this is a pretty simple message. Yeah, it is. But why should we preach a bunch of deep things when we're not doing the simple things? And you see, if we want to have a move of the Spirit of God again, what we've got to do is get right back on the fundamentals. Yeah, I played, I played football all the way up through college, and, and that's how I got through college. And, and, and so, you know, when we go out and have a bad game, the, the next week 
We didn't go out and run our de I played defensive back, and so we didn't go out and run our defenses. Uh, we did fundamentals. I mean, we had to work on our, our footwork. We had to work on tackling. We had to work on, on getting away from blocks. I mean, we just did it the whole practice until you were just sick of it. Why? Because the coach knew that if you get your fundamentals right, you'll play right. If you've got the basics operating in you, then it'll work for you, praise God. And, you know, I found when my prayers don't work, I go back to the basics. Hallelujah. My faith starts wavering. I go back to the basics. I go right back to the Word, and I begin to say, wait a minute. God is a good God. His gifts are good. His blessings are good. He doesn't change. If so, if the situation changed, something happened to get me to change. Because if he never varies and he doesn't have any shadow of turning and God's always good and God's always doing good things, then if something bad's happening in my life, something has gotten in there and pulled me away. So I need to get back to where I need to be. Amen. So James is telling us here, don't let deception come in. Don't get in the air. God is a good God. God never is not a good God. God never is not, not doing something good for you. And God is never, ever not giving you something that's already perfect and has the ability within it to do whatever it needs. Every healing scripture has the power within it to give you full healing. Every scripture that promises you provision has the power within it to provide every need of yours met. Come on, every scripture that promises peace has the perfect power within it to bring you right out of turmoil into peace with God. It's perfect. It will do a perfect work in you. Amen? Now, look in Ephesians chapter 1. Here's another set of scriptures that, that says basically the same thing. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, in, 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 in verse 1, here he's, he's writing to the saints and faithful that are in Christ Jesus. Now, he's writing to Ephesus, but he's also writing this letter to the folks in Valdosta. He's writing this to the folks in St. Augustine or folks in Huntington. Amen. Just wherever you might be. So this is written to us. Well, what is it that he's writing to us? What's he saying? Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Look what comes from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, God's unmerited favor, undeserved favor, his goodness. And his mercy and peace. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad God brings peace into us? Amen. Who's that grace and peace sent to? The saints and the faithful in Christ Jesus. So well, I just believe grace is for salvation. Well, grace is to keep you once you get saved. Amen. Aren't you glad you don't have to just have peace when you're at the altar crying and snotting giving your life to Jesus? Amen. You can get peace next week, and you can get peace, you know, 10 years from then. I mean, God is constantly pouring out his grace and peace to you so that we can live in it. Hallelujah. Then look what he says in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is stopping here, and he's blessing God. He's praising God. He's exalting God. Why is he blessing God? Why is Paul so excited about God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ? He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has. Everybody say has. That's past tense, isn't it? Who has blessed us. Whoo, glory to God. What's he blessed us with? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Hallelujah. Now, he said in James, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Well, what is every? All spiritual blessings are ours in Christ Jesus, and God has already released them to us. Come on. Everything you need, God has already provided. God has already said it's yours. God has already promised it and blessed us with it in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he said this, All the promises of God are yes and amen to us in Christ Jesus. In other words, somebody says, Well, you think I'm, I'm eligible to all these promises? Yes, amen. You think God would bless me? Yes, amen. How, do, how can you say that? I didn't say it. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians. Amen. And, and this is also, I mean, if you want to go ahead and just take it on up another step, Paul said in Galatians that he received... All the things that he received from God through revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that? So then these letters that Paul is writing to us are actually not Paul speaking to us, but Jesus speaking to us. Because if he received it as direct revelation from Jesus, Paul was just writing down to us what Jesus was saying to us. 
So this is our Lord and King speaking to us. And he's saying, I want you to understand that grace and peace is constantly being poured out to you because your God is a good God, and he's the Father of lights. There's no darkness in him whatsoever, and everything about him is perfect. And if you'll receive it, he'll send perfect things into your life that will do a perfect work in you. And if you want to know what all those perfect things are, they're every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies that is in me. Hallelujah. And it's all yours, praise God. Somebody says, yeah, but it says in heavenly places in Christ. But I'm here on the earth. Now, wait a minute. Are you sure you're here on the earth? Yeah, it was the last time I looked in the mirror. Well, you bodily right might be here, but where are you at spiritually? Let's jump over to the second, to the second chapter of Ephesians here. Hallelujah. Look in verse 4. But God. Oh, there he is. He's talking God again, isn't he? I mean, every time the devil comes up and says, you ain't going to make it this time, you should say, but God. See, we've got the but God, hallelujah, working for us, amen. Looks hopeless, but God, amen. What's he saying? But God, who is rich in mercy. What's that mean? That means he'll never run out. He's always got mercy, amen. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Now listen to verse 6. And raised us up together and made us sit together. Where? In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now where are those blessings? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. So spiritually speaking, positionally speaking, God has raised you up where you're right where the blessings are. They are within reach. Hallelujah. You can have them because you have access to them. Amen. Let me show you. Look in Hebrews, the the fourth chapter. Glory to God. I hope this is helping you. I'm about to have a good time. Hallelujah. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4. Look down here in verse 14. Let me give you some real truth. See, we've been raised up and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, if we would read the next verse there in Ephesians 2, it said that in the ages to come, he could show us the exceeding riches of his grace to us. Hallelujah. Meaning what? God wants to show you his blessings. God wants to reveal them to you. God wants to work them in your life. Amen. Hebrews 4. How am I going to tap into this? Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. What's he saying? He's saying you're going to have to get your mouth to working. Hold fast your confession. Now, one scholar says that when he talks about hold fast your confession, it actually means keep saying the same thing Jesus says. Amen? Say the same thing. How in the world can we ever expect to receive something from God when we're talking against him? Amen. I, I, you know, how many of you will let your kids sass you and talk back at you and tell you they don't agree with you and they don't want to hear it and then go over and award them and give them something good and say, oh, that's a wonderful. No, no, no. You'd probably step right in and correct them, wouldn't you, and say, until you do what mommy says or what daddy says, you ain't getting that. What are we doing? We're bringing them in agreement with us and teaching them how to walk in the blessing. Guess what God says? I've got for you the answer. Jesus is already passed into heaven. He's seated at the right hand. He's your mediatorial high priest. But he is the high priest of your confession. In other words, you have to speak out what he says to get what he has. You have to come in agreement with him with your speech. Faith has to be released by your words and by your actions. Amen? And so he says, let us hold fast our confession. Now, what do you mean, hold fast? That means there may be times in your life that there will come a test that will try to get you to say something other than what God says. Now, has anybody but besides me ever been there? When you spoke the word, spoke the word, spoke the word, spoke the word, and didn't get any results, it didn't look like, and, and the enemy came in and hit your mind and said, it ain't working, why are you doing that? And you want to get upset, and you want to just begin to think, it's not working, I'm tired of saying this. God, what's wrong? 
Well, you know, here's the thing. Do not be deceived. Don't be led into error. Every good gift and every perfect gift is coming from God, and he has already raised you up and put you where you can receive it, and then he gave you Jesus to be your Lord and high priest, and Jesus is there as your mediatorial king and Lord and high priest, and Jesus is saying, hold fast. In other words, when it don't look like it's working, keep on saying it. When it doesn't look like it's happening, just keep on going because your God is a good God, and he's rich in mercy, and he wants to show you, but you just sometimes have to take your stand, hold your ground, and just keep doing what God said to do. Amen? And, 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 and when you find yourself starting to feel left out or feeling like it's not working or why am I doing something wrong, look what the next verse says. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Meaning what? When you get this thought in your head, well, nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody cares. And you want to have your pity party and you want to feel sympathetically towards yourself and, 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 and you want to get in this, you know. The Lord says, wait a minute. Now, before you get off of your confession, before you get off of your faith, and before you get into error here, I want you to know that anything you've gone through, I went through first. And I went through it and didn't sin. So I know how to get from point A to point B without getting stuck between. Amen. So Jesus says, now before you say, I don't know if I can make it or not, remember, Jesus says, I went there, I've been there, I've done that, I won, I can show you how to win. And how I'm going to show you how to win is you just have to stay with me. Amen. See, if, if, you're, if you're going through a, a swamp and you've got someone who's lived there all their life and they know where every place to step you know what you do? You don't get out in the middle of the swamp and decide you want to go a different way. And you don't get out there and, and you know, and you say, you know, I know it worked for him, but I don't know if I want to step over there or not. I think I'll step over here. Be sure and screen roll out so we'll know where to look. <laughs> Amen. No, he knows how to get through there without being destroyed. Amen. And the Lord is saying to you, I feel your pain, but I don't just stop at feeling your pain. I know it. I've experienced it. I know how to whip it, and I can help you to get through that situation. Amen. And so then he tells you how to do it. Look what he says in verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly, knowing this. See, you have to know some things before your faith will work. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Notice it's the throne of grace, not the throne of judgment. Not the throne of condemnation. Not the throne of why you here again. Amen. Throne of grace. In other words, God's glad to see us every time. Amen. Come on, there's never a time that you don't come through the throne and God goes, Okay, you again. I just saw you a few seconds ago. Are you back already? No, it's always the throne of grace. Amen. Always a good place. Let us therefore come boldly. Notice that boldly with confidence and assurance. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help when? In time of need. When are we doing this? When we have a need. Notice that. A lot of times we, we get in a need and we do everything but this. God says when you get in a need, don't be deceived into error. Don't don't think that I'm doing it to you. God says, don't, don't don't think that it's for me trying to teach you something or bring you down or or, or to to prove you. No no no. He says, remember the enemy's trying to get you off in the air, but you need to understand I've already done a work for you. I've already raised you up in my Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I've made him your Lord. I've brought you out of the darkness into the light, and I am God, and I'm always good, and I have all that you need right here. And in your time of need. Come to me with confidence and obtain it. What's that mean? Expect to get something. I learned this from Brother Hagin. When I, when I do pray for folks and the Lord leads me to lay hands on people, I tell them, don't come up here quoting scriptures. 
I tell them, don't come up here, you know, praying or looking around. I said, just do one thing for me. Come up here expecting to receive. Because if I can get you to expecting to receive, I can get something to you. Hallelujah. Well, you know, every time you go to God, you ought to expect to receive. Hebrews 11, 6 said what? But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a what? Rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In other words, I believe I'm going to get something. So I come boldly. I come with confidence. I come with faith that will not be turned away because my God is a good God. And he's my father. And he has grace and mercy for me in my time of need. To get me through. You know that the Bible calls all the miracles of God in the Old Testament acts of mercy? I was just reading over in the Psalms. You know, it says Israel got in trouble when they forgot the miracles and the mercies of God. You know, every sign and wonder and miracle that they that God did to bring the children of Israel out of bondage was an act of mercy. You ever read how many times in the Gospels that somebody needed a healing and they said, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me? And Jesus would be moved with compassion, which is mercy in operation. And out of that mercy, he'd heal them. Out of that mercy, he'd deliver them. Out of that mercy, he'd minister to them. And God says, let us come to God knowing that he is rich in mercy. And he's already provided for us everything we need. And he'll pour it into our lives. Amen. Now, we get that established in our heart. Now we're ready to come to him. Now we're ready to believe for him. Amen. Now, what am I going to do if I'm going to believe from God? Well, let me give you just a couple of quick points. Look in Psalm 84. The 84th Psalm has always been a, a, just a, a blessed psalm for me. I, lo- I, I, I read this in verse 11 especially. Psalm 84, 11 gives us the first thing that we need to see when we come to God. He says in verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. What's that mean? He's full of light. Amen. He's always full of light. And he says, the Lord will give grace and glory. Now listen to this next part. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Somebody said, I wonder what he means, no good thing. He means no good thing. What's that mean? That means every good thing that we need, God is not holding it back. Amen. Well, maybe the Lord's testing my faith. No, he's not holding anything back. Well, maybe God doesn't want me to have that. No, he's not holding any good thing back. What we've got to do is find out what good things are. Well, Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good what was the good he was doing in healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So, so oppression, sickness, disease was bad. Healing was good. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you found out that true prosperity from God is good? Amen. Hallelujah. See, I've been prosperous and I've been poor, and prosperous is better. Hallelujah. Amen. So the first thing I've got to understand is this. God is not going to hold anything back from me. It's not God holding it back. Remember in Daniel chapter 10 when Daniel had set himself to pray and seek God? Seeking, I mean, he had a burden to pray, a burden to get a revelation from God. And, and then the Bible says 21 days after Daniel offered that prayer up, an angel of the Lord appeared. And the first thing he did when he came was, you know, of course, Daniel fell to the ground. I mean, the glory of God's here. And, and so the angel had to kind of stir him up. And he said, Daniel, beloved of God, man, beloved of God. In other words, God loves you. You're a man after his heart. God is. And he says, from the first day that you set yourself to pray, I was sent with the answer. I remember when I first read that, and I got to that part, and I thought, well, God sure sent a slow angel, didn't he? I mean, took him 21 days to get there. I mean, God, surely you got some quicker angels than that. So, no, he said, 21 days, God sent me with answer. The first time you prayed, God didn't withhold the answer. God sent it the first moment Daniel set himself to believe for it. What happened? He says, but there was a demon force, a, a prince of Persia, withstood me the 21 days. In other words, there was spiritual principalities between heaven and earth. Before the angel could get to Daniel, he had to fight through those demon forces. Amen? Doesn't Ephesians 6 say that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wicked spirits and rulers of darkness in the heavenly sphere? 
So there are demon forces out there trying to hold back the things of God. But if you read in Daniel, you know, the, everybody says Daniel, you know, prayed and fasted for 21 days. Well, the angel said Daniel prayed the first day. Now, he continued to fast but because he was seeking God and standing for the answer. But when the angel comes and talks to him, he says, and now I'm here for your words. He didn't say, I'm here for your prayer. He already said your prayer was answered. He said, I'm here for your words. You know what Daniel did for 21 days? He held fast his confession. I believe I received the revelation that I received from God. And his words empowered the angel to have the anointing and the authority to break through the demon forces and deliver the message that God had for him. It wasn't God withholding it. It was the devil. But Daniel's faith and boldness and confession empowered the angel to defeat the devil and come on through with the answer. I'm here to tell you, if you will hold fast and walk uprightly before God and walk in integrity and walk in the truth and not bow down to the lies, not bow down to the problem, and don't let time talk you out of it. See, time tries to defeat your faith. If it doesn't happen within a certain time frame, you want to quit. Thank God Daniel stayed with it. Hallelujah. And when he did, the angel came in and congratulated him and said, Your words got me through. Hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you right now, Jesus is the Lord High Priest of our faith confession. And if we'll hold fast our confession and believe that blessing that will get to us, then God will get it to us. He will overcome every attack of the enemy. He'll defeat every demon. And the anointing of God will make it to your house. Hallelujah. But you see, you've got to understand, who's holding it back? Not God. Paul was writing over there in one of his epistles, and he said, we, des- we desired to come to you a couple of times, but the devil withheld us. He, he withstood us. He, he, he hindered us from getting there. But Paul said, I'll get there. Hallelujah. Amen. And he refused to let anything stop him. See, folks, we're all subject to have to fight some faith battles. Amen. Just because we're faith people doesn't mean we go, Father, I thank you, I believe I received it, amen. Woo, there it is, hallelujah. Sometimes we go, Father, I thank you, I believe I received it, amen. Okay, anytime now, hallelujah. And that's when you have to hold fast. And the reason I can hold fast is because I know it's not God keeping it back. Okay? And so I know who I have to direct my attention toward i need to use my faith against that which is holding it back but i'm not going to fight the devil i'm going to keep confessing what jesus says because the lord's word will work for me just like it worked for him amen and if i keep confessing the word the word has to work for me so i just stay connected with jesus just stay with him so what's he say first of all get it in your spirit that God is not the one holding it back, so stand your ground. It will happen if you won't quit. Amen? Number two, look over in Psalm 103. Look what he says over here. This one's always a good one. And we should know these verses. But Psalm 103, David is speaking here. And, you know, David had gone through some battles. And David starts off in Psalm 103. And he does this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Well, that's good. We can say that. Praise God. What's, he, what's your soul? What's your mind, your will, your intellect in it? So he's saying, in my mind, I'm going to bless the Lord. Now, now, why would you tell your mind and your emotions to bless the Lord? Because Satan tries to work in your mind and your emotions, doesn't he? And so if you're forcing your mind and your emotions to praise God, you're not going to be thinking about how bad it is and talking about how bad it is. So David is conquering his own mind before he tries to conquer the problem. Come on, I'm going to say it again. David is conquering his own mind before he tries to conquer the problem. Okay, so bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Magnify the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Hallelujah. We need to constantly remind ourselves that we have benefits in the kingdom of God. 
Amen. Now, why would David say, forget not all his benefits? Because when you get in a problem and you get in a tough scrape or you're fighting a battle, sometimes you forget. And your mind will get focused on the pain or focused on the problem or focused on the need or, or, or focused on the circumstances. And you can forget that you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. You're the redeemed of the Lord. You can forget that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can forget that you've been raised up and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You can forget that God has given you an open invitation at any time to come into his throne room and receive what you need from him. So in the midst of your attack, in the midst of your test, you need to stop and say, wait a minute. I'm forgetting who I am. Wait a minute. I'm forgetting everything that's mine. Wait a minute. No, devil, you are not going to conquer my mind. I refuse to forget. And I refuse to let you steal out of my thinking who I am in Christ. Next time you're in a problem, you're in a battle or something, and you got a smile and you're blessing the Lord and praise the Lord, and somebody comes along with folded down and said, you, you really think you're going to win, don't you? Just smack him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, don't do that. But just jump up and say, yeah, absolutely I do. I'm not going to forget all of my benefits. Amen. So I'm going to remember what God's done for me. Amen. Next time you get yourself in a place where you mess up, verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities. Wait a minute. I'm not going to forget that I have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's the propitiation for my sins. And if I confess my sins, if I truly repent, my God is faithful and just to forgive me my sins and cleanse me. And I'm not going to lay around here condemning myself all my life because I messed up. I'm going to receive grace and mercy and forgiveness and get up and go with God. Because God knew that whenever he saved me, I wasn't perfect. Listen, if the Lord knew that making you saved was per- would make you perfect, he did not put all these scriptures in there. Amen. But the Lord knew they're going to mess up. So I better put some grace for forgiveness in there. And whenever they ask me, I'll forgive them. And I'll wash them and clean them, purge them, put them right back up and let them get going. Amen? See, just like your child, you, you know, if your child goes and you say, now, you know, don't get in that. You go to the other room, you come back, and they got it in them, on them, on the wall. And, you know, you, 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 you correct them, but you don't make them walk around the rest of their life with a lot of stuff on them. You clean them up, you get you know, get them some new clothes, and you don't you do it again, and then bring them out. Hallelujah. And the next thing you know, you're in the room playing with them and doing stuff because it's over. And when your father in heaven is there, and you come to him, and you got it all over you. I know you told me not to open it, but... <laughs> And don't look at him and look at those, you know, those big puppy dogs. I didn't mean to. Yes, you did. That's why it's open. It didn't open itself. You did it. So freely admit it. Confess it to him. Come clean. And when the devil says, oh, you shouldn't be doing it. No, 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 devil, I should because I got a benefit here. And the benefit is even though you trip me up, you can't keep me tripped up. Hallelujah. Because God is a good God, and I'm receiving his grace and mercy to forgive me, and I'm coming out of this thing. Amen. And now I'll tell you nothing, devil. Just as soon as I receive my forgiveness, which is right now, praise God, I'm going to lift my hands, and I'm going to praise God and act like it never happened. When, I was, when our kids were young, we, you know, I would correct them. And, and I had a particular way that I would correct them. I never correct them out in the open. God doesn't correct anybody out in the open unless they're a hypocrite. So I would take the kids back into the bedroom, and, and I, I would tell them, here's what you did wrong. And, you know, I, I had one, two, or three swats is all they ever got. But they were unique swats because, you see, I had a little paddle, and, and I would, I'd have them bent over a little bit, and I would go down, up, and around on the behind. Hallelujah. You know, the place where God made the spank kids. And, and that was one, down, up, and around. And it would just crack real loud and sting real good. And you just think that, you know, it wasn't hurting them and, and stuff because I used a little paper, you know, I'd rolled up a paper and just a little, like a little paddle, praise God. And so it cracked real loud and put a little sting, but it never hurt them. 
And, you know, and, and so they, they would, you know, be back there and they would sometimes cry or whatever, you know. And I'd let them, leave them alone, let them, let them have some time. And it was all private. We did it back in the back. No, I didn't do it when I was mad. Didn't ever correct my children out of anger because you don't correct out of anger. It's a teaching moment. It's not a beating moment or a mean moment. It's a correcting moment. And so I would take some time with them, and then I'd go back in after a little bit, and they'd be there, and, you know, both of them, they had the same kind of attitude. I, I, I don't want to go out. I don't want to be around anybody. And I'd say, now, wait a minute. And before I'd even let them, I'd say, let's, 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 now, then, you've already received your natural. I'd tell them you've received your natural correction. Now, you, let, let's ask God to forgive us. And let's repent. And I'd, I'd lead them through. Let Father forgive me. I was wrong. I did this, this. I said, now then, God says once we repent, he forgives us and forgets it. And it's gone. I said, now, I've already forgiven you. You've already received correction. I said, the reason you received correction is this. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And if, if you don't get some correction now, you think you can get by with this all of your life. But somewhere down the line, it might cost you an eternity. And so I'd teach them. And then I say, now then, it's over. Let's go out and have fun. Oh, Daddy, no, I'd make them come out of the room. We'd go out, and I said, now, don't act like there's anything wrong. When we go out here, put a smile on your face. And we'd go right back in. Next thing you know, they'd be playing and carrying on. Why? There's no condemnation. They've corrected it. They've dealt with it. It's been dealt with. We talked to God. You know what I was teaching them? Your Heavenly Father is the same way. All he wants you to do is to come clean, let him correct the situation, and then go out and act like it's good. So benefit that we have that God's not withholding, is there's always forgiveness and cleansing and purging for us. Amen? What's the second thing he says? Who forgiveth all thine iniquities and heals all your diseases. Hallelujah. The word heal there means to mend, to fix, to cure, repair, and restore to health. Hallelujah. When I'm sick and I'm, I'm dealing with something, and I want to tell you something, there have been times that I didn't get healed in the natural the moment I said amen. I had to stand my ground for a while. But you know what? He will not withhold any good thing from them to walk up rightly before him. And I just stood my ground, and I stood my ground, I stood my ground, and I've just watched God do it. Hallelujah. Just, it just comes. Praise the Lord. And it gets there. So your healing belongs to you. It's a benefit for you, and you need to believe it. And you need to understand that if it didn't happen just immediately, just keep standing because God is not holding it back. God will do it if we'll stay in faith with him. Amen. What's the next thing he says here? Who redeems your life from destruction. Oh, glory to God. I'm so glad that when I get in a mess, it can't destroy me. Amen. Who redeems your life from destruction. You know what the Bible says in verse 4 in the Amplified? Who redeems your life from the pit of corruption and beautifies and dignifies and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that what the devil meant to make me ugly, defeated, depressed, broken, God removes it and puts beauty and dignity and honor back upon me. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, you may not think I look so good, but in God's eyes, I am beautiful. Hallelujah. I am dignified. I've got his loving kindness and anointing upon me because I'm walking in who I am in Christ. Amen. And you know what? If you can receive that from God, you'll never get up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror and be depressed. You'll never see a loser in that mirror looking back at you again. You'll never see somebody that doesn't measure up looking back at you through the mirror again. Because you see yourself as God sees you. And you see yourself fearfully and wonderfully made and marvelously as the work of God. But now look at this last thing here in verse, verse 5. This one. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. Who satisfies your mouth. Now the, the Bible says here, who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. But listen to what the Amplified says. Who satisfies your mouth. Now listen to this. Your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation with good. So that your youth renewed is like the eagle strong overcoming and soaring. Notice he says who satisfies your mouth. You got to get this in your mouth. And now listen to what else he says. The Amplified. Your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation. Now, a few years ago, you know, I, I turned 60 now recently. And, and so, you know, I, I got to look and everybody talks about 65, you retire and all this stuff and everything. And I, I, I got to thinking about, you know, the thought came to my mind. I wonder if I would be ready to retire. I wonder if I could do, wonder, you know, I wonder how I get this and, and I didn't do that. And, you know, and I might not have enough. And, and I'm thinking all these thoughts. And the Lord stopped me and he said, 
I want to ask you a question. I said, okay. He said, at what age do I stop being your provider? I said, say that again. God said, at what age do I cease be your provider? I said, well, he said, I can provide for you at 65 like I did at 25, 35, 45. He said, I can provide for you at 95. He said, I am the God of more than enough. When do I stop providing for you? People get old and say, oh, i got so many aches and pains. No, he satisfies your personal need at your personal age for your situation. Hallelujah. Meaning what? Praise God. I may not be able to run as fast as I did when I was 20, but I can still run. Amen. And so he says here that your mouth works for you all your life. Your faith will work for you all your life. God is good to you all your life. No matter what age or situation or whatever thing you're in, if you will let God put his benefits in your mouth, you can have them in your life. Amen. If you'll step over in faith and believe God, God will move in your situation tonight. Amen. Now, will it manifest tonight? It may. It may not. Daniel, it took him 21 days to get it. I don't care how long it takes. You know, this is the thing. When I played ball, I enjoyed the practices as well as the game. In fact, you know, I, I ran track also, and I would go out and run extra. Because I figured there's somebody out there that's as fast as me, and if I'm not working as hard as he is, He'll beat me the next time we run in a race. So I'm not going to give him the advantage. So I enjoyed getting out there running. I enjoyed playing football. I, I mean, all the way through college, I, I enjoyed the practices. These guys were, you know, and I was in there getting ready and getting ready to head out on the field. Praise God. I played defense. I like to hit people. Hallelujah. I mean, what a great country. <laughs> you get to put on all this, this, this weaponry. And they, pay, they were paying for my schooling to go out and knock people down. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. I mean, who wouldn't like that? And so, you know, I just had a big time with it. But you know what? I just don't have celebration on Sundays. I enjoy being a Christian on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I, I enjoy speaking the word in the morning and the afternoon. And the night. I mean, I live this thing. This is not an event. This is a lifestyle. Most Christians live event Christianity. They go from one event to the next event to the next event to the next event and the next event. And they're all the time getting ready for the next event. I want to tell you what. Live the lifestyle. Every day put the word in your mouth. Every day let God release the benefits. Every day be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Every day know that God is good and has good things for you. Every day be a winner. Every day be an overcomer. Every day use your faith. Every day spend time in the throne room of God. Hallelujah. And this is exactly what James was trying to get across to us. He was saying, listen, be a doer of the Word. Get in the Word. Look in the Word. Make it a mirror. See yourself in that Word. And don't forget who you are in God. Use your faith to tame your tongue. Don't let your tongue be the rudder of the shipwreck your life. Go ahead and put the Word in your mouth and let God satisfy your mouth with His Word and produce good things in your life. James says, use your tongue and pray the prayer of faith and choose pray out of right and release power in your life. James says, use your tongue, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and watch him take off running like he's in a terror. James says, these are your benefits. And David knew these benefits. And David could stand against Goliath and say, yeah, you're bigger than me and you're louder than me. But I got God on my side and you're going down today. Hallelujah. He speak his faith. And David is here reminding himself in Psalm 103, wait a minute, I got benefits. I messed up, but God is bigger than my mess up. What did Paul say to the Romans? Where sin did abound, grace does much more abound. Hallelujah. Somebody says, now, Brother Huffman, you'll give people a license to sin. They'll sin without a license. I'm giving you a way back out of your mess. Amen? Huh? <laughs> Amen. No, God is saying, 
when I asked you to come into my kingdom, I made it real easy for you to stay. God said, I've made it real easy for you to stay with me. I'll, if you mess up, I'll clean you up. If you get sick, I'll heal you. If you get yourself in a destructive situation, I'll just reach down and pull you out of it and take what the devil meant for your bad and turn it for your good and give you a testimony when it's all said and done. And he says, no matter what age you are, no matter what the situation is you're facing, I'll satisfy your mouth with good things. In other words, if you'll hook your tongue up with me, your Lord and high priest, I'll bring to you everything you need because God is a good God. And he has good things, and everything he gives you has within it the perfect end and the perfect ability within it to produce exactly what it says. Amen? You know, Jesus over in Mark chapter 10, he said, you know, we hear about the hundredfold all the time. And Jesus said, if you're willing to give up, in other words, if you'll give whatever part of your life you'll give to me, is what he's saying, I'll give it back to you a hundredfold in this lifetime. Now, I, I looked that word up hundredfold in the, the Greek studies and some Greek dictionaries, and it said the maximum yield for the seed. See, we, we called it 100%, 100%. But he said, I'll give you the 100 maximum percent. It'll be the full maximum yield that that seed can give you. Which is what? Exceeding abundantly above everything you can ask or think. Hallelujah. More than enough. So God says, whatever part of your life you're willing to sow into the kingdom and yield to me and walk with me in, I'll give you a maximum return. Isn't that good? Yeah. So James says, don't be deceived. We're living in an hour when the enemy's trying to deceive, trying to lead us in error, trying to tell us, oh, these things are passed away. God doesn't do that anymore. Don't be fanatical. Don't be loud. Don't be this. Don't be that. No, 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 no. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm serving a good God. And I'm going to tell you what, just like he healed the people, in Brother Hagin's day, he'll heal the people today. Just like he delivered people in Dr. Summerall's day, he'll deliver people today. Just like he raised people up from the dead in Smith Wigglesworth's day, he'll raise them up today. Hallelujah. I believe all things are possible if we'll believe God. Amen. Come on, stand with me. Hallelujah.